0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, welcome to our Eightfold Path class. And we have arrived at mindfulness today. So, um, just beginning with a little review of our journey so far. We started back in September looking at the importance of our whole point of view and our beliefs and how we understand what life is about in terms of right view and can we shift that in some way from being totally oriented toward managing and manipulating the outside world to make us happy and beginning to shift it more towards looking at our own reactivity, our own suffering, where we 're holding and where we 're opening to experience, so that we 're beginning to understand our lives uh, somewhat you could say in terms of the four noble truths of this way of reacting is causing suffering, and this way of responding to what 's happening is less suffering, and as we begin to orient that way, and then we begin to discover what kind of intentions. Are driving our actions, and what intentions actually lead to more harm and suffering, and what intentions lead to more ease and freedom and peace of mind. So, uh, and then we examined our our speech, uh, the first, maybe the most easiest way for us to m- start to manifest our intentions in the world, and what we say. And then we looked at our actions and then we looked at our livelihood what we both what we do for a living and how we interact with society in general and how we share the resources of of our world so it's hard to imagine that you could have engaged in all that over the last several months without beginning to appreciate paying attention <laughs> sort of asks you to pay attention And so now we're really going to look at the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness, on what is very useful to pay attention to. And how do we see, how can we begin to really look at this experience of the human mind and the human body? Not so much, more and more a little bit more objectively about what is the process how is the way the mind works and the way the body works interacting to create our view of reality and to uh, keep us either trapped in the wheel of suffering or beginning to see how to release some of these old patterns of tension and stress so we're really um, starting to come into paying attention as an art itself and what's useful to pay attention to and ways to pay this special kind of heightened mindful attention. So let's begin with a a sit as usual. We're going to be looking at uh, let me say just a little bit more first. We're going to be looking at one of the main teachings of the Buddha the four foundations of mindfulness the four bases the four areas of mindfulness that it's most useful to pay attention to and that would be the body the experience of being in the body the actual felt sense of bodily sensations and then the feeling tone the way the mind tends to process experience as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral which is then the beginning of our calling in all of our associations with everything and our beginning of our reactivity and then we'll look at the mind and how the we can begin to be aware of our own minds and our mind states, our emotions and moods. And then as we get more refined and more subtle in our practice, we really begin to focus on how the processes of the mind are actually working with experience. And we begin to be able to watch that in more detail in our mindfulness. So during the guiding here, I want to focus on the fundamental mindfulness of the body and mindfulness of breathing, just to get ourselves settled down and brought into the present moment, and then um, the rest kind of follows from there. it can. Okay, so let's close close our eyes and begin by just feeling just feeling the contact of your bottom with your chair. Just letting your attention kind of drain out of your head and the ideas and just come into the very simple felt sense of contact, a little pressure, just whatever you feel in that contact there. So we're just knowing. Right now, this is what this feels like without trying to put words on it necessarily. Just settling back into a receptive, simply knowing the sensation of contact of your body with your chair. And then feeling your feet in contact with the floor. And you might notice if you have a sense of looking down at your feet or thinking about your feet, see if you can just kind of settle back, take a back seat and just receive the sensations that are coming from the area of the feet. And then maybe from that same wide open perspective, just taking in the feeling of your hands contacting your lap. Maybe you feel some warmth, some pressure, some tingling, whatever you feel. Even if you don't feel anything, you just have the intention to have your attention in that area. just stepping back further and taking in the whole sense of the body sitting. No need to do anything. Just knowing sensations are happening. At some point, you might become aware that breathing is happening. You can notice that you know if you're breathing in or breathing out. And just when you're breathing in, you know that you're breathing in. When you're breathing out, you know that you're breathing out. If there's a pause at the end of the out breath you just know that just letting that be just trusting that the in-breath will come when it's ready See if you can drop down into the belly area. see what you notice there. Maybe there's a little rising in the belly or stretching in the in-breath. A little relaxing back on the out-breath. Feeling your lower back on an in-breath. Can you feel any expansion to the sides on a breath? Opening up a sense of inner space in the center of the body, a three-dimensional view of the torso. Just aware of any movement that you feel from within. Or you might notice if there's any straining or trying too hard. Just settle back and be like willing to accept any sensations that come from that area. Just willing to let them be noticed. Not trying to make anything happen. Feel some sensations in your rib cage area. Your chest swells slightly and lifts slightly on the breath, in-breath, relaxes back on the out-breath. where you can sense some movement to the sides, stretching. And again, just stepping back, not trying to force anything. Just letting this whole field of your awareness take in your torso and any sensations related to breathing. Just relaxing but staying awake and aware of the sensations of breathing. Just include your shoulders and your neck in your field of awareness. If there's any tension or just looseness, you can be relaxed there. Maybe your shoulders lift slightly on the in-breath. Drop slightly on the out-breath. including the area of your head and your face. Feeling the air coming in and out of the nostrils. And again, releasing any tension from maybe trying too hard and just step back and let this whole field of awareness of the body, the breath moving through the center in its natural rhythm. Some breaths are long, some breaths are short. just checking once in a while your attitude or your state of mind. If there's some ease or if there's somehow some tension, some leaning in or forcing or impatience, boredom. Just noticing when your attention has lost contact of the sense of the whole body or some aspect of the felt sense of breathing. Wandered off into the world of thinking. Notice that, see if you can notice that you're also still breathing. And just touch back into the felt sense of the body, the here and now, the presence of the body, the present time sense of a little stretching and pressure and heat and movement, the process of breathing. And just letting your attention settle into this relaxed, receptive, awake, aware state where you know that you're knowing what's happening but with minimal commentary or involvement or struggle or trying to change it, just noticing the kind of interest in what happens and then what's next. Just letting each sensation be met with awareness and let go. mind wanders off into thinking, see if with some part of your mind you can know that thinking is happening. If there's a pull to thinking, stay a little bit in touch with your body. Maybe you can notice what effect your mood or train of thought is having. Is it tensing you up or is it spacing out or totally losing touch with the present? always just ask yourself what am I aware of right now? Are you aware? What are you aware of? Just simply a sensation, a thought. Maybe sleepiness, maybe restlessness. Just knowing that that's what's happening. That's what you're aware of. And the breath is still there to connect you to your body, bodily experience. Okay, so before I start talking, I'm just curious. A lot of you have been practicing mindfulness for a long time, and you come here and sit regularly, and I'm just wondering what's on your mind, you know? Maybe this guided sit raised some questions for you, or you have some questions that you're hoping that we'll get to today. So if you have anything you'd like to ask or say about mindfulness, I'd like to leave a I'd like to start with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll pass the mic for the recording. Hi.
1: Um, that was very interesting for me. When you um, s- checked in on our lower back, I became very aware of a physical sensation I have around my lower back that I'm very afraid of feeling because it's very uncomfortable and it's just not an area that I check in I think I avoid and it sounds so cheesy but with your voice support and just being with people I mindfully I just really tried to pay attention to that feeling for once and it was really scary to go to let that feeling be what I was primarily sensing um but it's so strange. I have this feeling behind my eyes right now because I um, I went into the pain. That it's not even a pain. It's just a dis. It was an un. What I believed. I have a belief that my lower back is a problem from injury, gymnastics injury, and that it's if if something happens there, that I'm going to be incapacitated. Like I was, so I avoid it. Mm-hmm. But I went into it, and I what I found was it's it was an uneasy, uncomfortable sensation that I am bracing, I'm always braced against physically. And when I really put my attention there and went through the pain, it disappeared. It like transmuted. It was, Mm -hmm. there was no there, there. Mm And it went, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And then very interestingly, it was kind of like my body, there was a wisdom sense that it it corrected to the way I was holding my lower back. Mm. It was very mm. amazing, and for me, because I know we met earlier today that i've been thinking about the mindfulness and allowing that to really permeate, but that that intense or that intensity that's the wrong word intense, mindfulness um really what it means to be mindful
0: mm-hmm.
1: was wow, that was really. A big learning for me. So sorry, that was really long, but that was a really wow eye opening. So mindfulness. Very no, <laughs> very apropos. That Thank was a really amazing way to start.
0: Thank you. That that brought in a lot of elements of the mind and the body and the resistance. That's a yes, beautiful that example of what you know what we're what this has the power to do is when we really see that we've been pushing something away out of a bunch of ideas of what it means. And when we can really just let it be known, you know, for exactly what it is, then there's some potential for, you know, things to change. Betsy? Just a quick comment about what I heard. You use the word bracing. Yeah. And so fast. <laughs> I, I just was listening to the word bracing and, and embracing. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. from bracing to embracing yeah 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 bracing is a lot of what we're doing and you know we can just notice that you know you don't start with trying to change it you start with just seeing where is it what is this you know and it can be a combination of the mind and the body together that's very rich in mindfulness any other questions or comments Thank you, Morgan. Okay. So, um, we're going to divide up the day uh, following this traditional teaching of the four foundations, but they intermingle, you know, as was beautifully just described. The, the mind's view of what's going on in the body and the body's response to the mind are, are very intermingled. So um, it's a little bit like talking about how you can focus on all these different areas, but then in the actual practice it's kind of often being open to what's happening in the moment that's most predominant and then being aware of the interplay of these different areas with each other. So, it's you know, I've been doing this for 20 25 years or something now and it's still interesting to me what is mindfulness? <laughs> it's just a constant learning of how to more and more get out of the way and let things be seen for what they are and it keeps deepening this understanding that you know it's not just spacing out and checking out but it's it's very related to last month's talk, topic of right effort of what's the right kind of effort to stay awake and stay connected keep the light on and be learning from what you're seeing but not in the usual way where we grab at it and try to make ideas about it and try to make it fit into some framework that we understand but we're really working on our capacity to kind of let in new information you know in a very gentle open and receptive way so it's a heightened awareness the word literally means remembering sati the word in uh, Pali it's kind of recollecting that recollecting the present you know and being being there in a way so that you're kind of really registering what's happening so that it can be remembered but by in this kind of deep learning you know like the way we learn to walk and learn to speak our native language and so forth that was it was by absorption and by the body and mind's deep human ability to learn so if we keep the light of awareness on then thing data comes in and something is learning what it needs to learn not to suffer so it's a matter of knowing that you know you know it's very interesting to me to become aware of when the mind has wandered off into just kind of spacing out or sitting there and dozing and then oh wait no let me just know. (laughs) but that's not something you can exactly make happen it's just a matter of sort of waking up and relaxing and reconnecting with what's happening so that you're there but you're not adding anything to what's happening. You're just receiving the sensations of the body. Thoughts will arise, images from the past, ideas, words, all those things can be known as phenomena that are happening in the present. Yes, some thought is coming up. And, and of course the mind will wander off and get lost. It does that over and over and over. wanders off into thinking, not to make a problem out of that, but just to come back, when you when you remember, oh, that was the experience of being in a mind-created world. And now we're back in the experience of being in a multi-sensory body-oriented world, present moment-oriented world. And so you begin to get a feeling for what's the difference between those two experiences. And then you begin to be interested in maybe you were off thinking about a problem that or a resentment from the past or a problem that hasn't really happened yet and then you might come back and you might notice oh what effect has this had on the body oh it's all tense you know and sometimes you might have an understanding that this is where i hold that kind of tension of needing to always be figuring out what's going to happen in the future and oh let me see what the, oh that feels pretty unpleasant and and then some learning happens that you don't have to make happen you just you know how you... It's often compared to training a puppy. You know, you don't beat it up. You just slowly bring it back and bring it back and bring it back and and slowly it learns. So when the Buddha described mindfulness and the words that he used for the instructions are that uh, you go and sit in a meditation posture under a tree in his day. Um, ardent, fully aware... Clearly comprehending and mindful, having put aside covetousness and grief for the world. So I just want to comment a little bit on those qualities. Ardent. Ardent, brings to me it brings in this quality of, a little bit what we looked at last month, of effort, but like caring. You know, this is not a time to just sit down and check out and space out. We need sleep, so sleep by all means. But when you're meditating, this is a time to kind of, to care but not in the sense of being all emotionally overwrought about it but yeah i'm going to i'm going to be here i'm going to show up with some dignity and some intentionality to actually be present and then this clearly comprehending is where you you very you really know what's happening you're meeting each experience so if you're feeling some tension in the in breath or some tension in your lower back as was described or whatever or maybe If you can really recognize that boredom is happening, you can be very clear that you're bored. Or if you're confused, and I don't even know what I'm doing, I don't understand this, why am I doing this? If you can be clear to yourself, oh, this is, boy, I'm confused and resistant and resentful right now. You can be clear on that, then you're being mindful. And you're clearly comprehending that that's what's happening right now. It's different than the experience of just being pushed around and driven by what's happening right now. So if you knew that you were bored and restless, then you would understand why there's this impulse to jump up and go read email instead of meditate, right? But if you're not aware, you just think, oh, meditation's no good, I'm going to go read email. And you're not aware that there's a connection between that mind state and everything that goes into that mind state and the agitation in the body and the action that you take in response. So this clear comprehension gives you quite a view of what's going on. And I find it's also a great source of safety. A lot of us, are we find it hard to meditate. We find a lot of tension and stress because we feel fundamentally unheld and unsafe in some way. Like we have to keep going out and trying to guess what's going to happen next and figure everything out. But if you're really aware a lot of what's stressful is coming from within you know and you're not really aware of what's driving you so you feel driven but what's driving you is is a lot of tension and emotions and arising thoughts from within and so the more you have this sense of inner space and awareness of what's happening the more it's possible to see these things and feel some space around what you're going to do next and then I find that that brings this sense of holding and safety that, we're, that we tend to be looking for by going outside and, and trying to fix up everything outside. So then uh, the sati quality, this quality of remembering, recollecting your purpose in is to be present. Recollecting the present. Recollecting what you're trying to do here. And putting aside covetousness and grief for the world, that's, you know, when I first read that I thought, wow, to me that's maybe a, you know, that's quite an attainment to be able to set that aside. So it's it's an intention, though, that we don't have to 100% of the time be preoccupied with the worst things we can think of that might happen or the worst things that ever did happen or what we want, but learning the ability to set these things aside for a while. It's like the ability to sleep, you know. We all need periods of of rest and periods of activity and we need to be able to let go and let the system regenerate and refresh itself and look at some of the deeper strains of our experience. And so the intention is to have faith for the moment that this practice is valuable and it will bear fruit in our the way we are in the world and for the moment can we set aside those concerns and just come inward and focus on our minds and bodies so the four foundations of mindfulness um, it's described as the ability to um, know the body as a body and feeling tones as feeling tones mind states as mind states and mental processes as mental processes So feeling the body as a body means several things. It's just aware without any embellishment, without any words, without any thinking what this means, without anything except it's just this is the raw data, the raw sensory experience of being in a body. And you might notice at some point that also all kinds of identifications fall away when you're aware of the body at that level. It's not a man's body or a woman's body or an American body or anything like that, it's just a body. And it's like all other bodies and it connects us with the bodies of other people and the bodies of all beings that have bodies and it functions quite like all the rest of them. And so we can begin to just feel the simple sensations of the body. An important theme in mindfulness is getting beneath the conceptual. Conceptual. We are so prone to look at like a pain as a pain and then all of our associations with pain. But if we begin to see it, it's a complex little process of a little tingling, a little aching, a little pulling and it might move around in different places. And, and the more we can see it that way, the more we can begin to release all the Um, reactivity that the word pain brings with it which as we talked about earlier is bracing against it trying to escape from it trying to hold it at arm's length all that comes through the conceptual so we can begin to let go of the concepts yeah we're giving our wisdom this fresh data about what's really going on instead of the same old stories about it over and over again So the Buddha said in another place, the mindfulness of the body is really a basis of being present. The body is always present. The body is in the non-conceptual. And so this is why the body is the first foundation. The Buddha said, there's one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced leads to deep spiritual intention. To peace, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here and now, and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. What is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered on the body. So that's uh, quite a strong statement. And the Buddha's chief disciple, um, he discovered, he was left with a lot of grief when the Buddha died and he was looking around for how to practice and he realized at some point for one whose master is dead and gone there is no friend like mindfulness of the body. Mindfulness of the body is the teacher because our whole history of our lives is embedded in some way in held places and contractions in the body trapped attention that's afraid to go into certain areas or stuck obsessing in certain areas. All that can be loosened up by cultivating mindfulness of the body so this may be difficult for a lot of people just to say Um, there's a whole growing you know field of expertise on trauma people who've one of the things we do when we're especially when we're little kids or when something really shocking happens to us is we we have this ability to leave our bodies and not, I mean, to put our attention entirely somewhere else in the mind and simply not, simply tune out what's happening in the body. And this is no doubt a very wise survival technique for little kids who are abused or traumatized in some way or people who are in war or something like that. It's, it's, it happens a lot. And so, a lot of people really find it difficult to approach this aspect of the practice, and to find it sa- to feel safe enough to come into the body in some way. So there are actually a lot of avenues into this. I'm starting to talk about mindfulness of the body, but there's a lot of skillful ways to work with something else, to work with sound perhaps, or to work with different, to work with the mind and with recognizing thoughts that are going on as an entryway. And also there's a lot of skilled professionals out there that can really help people work with different, with feeling safe in approaching different areas of the body. But it's also interesting to me that a root of all that work really is the, some of this Buddhist understanding that it's possible to find some safe and neutral places in the body and slowly from there begin to open slowly to the places that are more painful to look at. So um, some of that work would begin with feeling maybe your hands or your knees or some place in your body that feels really neutral and safe and establishing a safe place to be like that in your body. And then having the skill to be able to go there and not get totally absorbed and lost in reenacting the, the difficult events that maybe the memories may be associated with other parts of your body. So... Um, yeah, I'm just going to say about that. Yeah, so um, taking the time to really trust that we don't have to dig and force things to open up that aren't ready to open up. So just working with being simply present, working with being in the room, working with feeling whatever you can feel as a as a, a safe container for yourself in the moment, and then just trusting that things, as you have more support and holding and grounding in your present moment experience the more you're really present for yourself in the here and now the easier it is to separate when these when memories come up that have some kind of difficulty hold some difficulty for you that they are just memories and that they're not so much something that needs to be reenacted in the present so you have more sense of presence that can then meet these memories as related to a past event instead of happening something that's happening now so the breath and body meditation is it, it's like a journey to the center in a way it's i heard it described as a, it's more of an archaeological melt rather than an archaeological dig so you're like mindfulness is like the sun on on your whole system and slowly layer by layer it melts and what needs to come forth and blossom can do that I love this book. There's a book by a man named Will Johnson called Breathing with the Whole Body which is one of my favorites. If if you found breathing boring you might look at this book. It's got a lot of different ways to look at mindfulness of breathing. He says everywhere the breath penetrates every place it touches and presses into it activates sensations and promotes the release of tension. Like a current in a river confronting a log jam, the force of breath pushes up against tension's walls, gradually dissolving its barriers, turning tension in the body back into shimmer and contraction in the mind back into presence. And he also points out, which I found interesting, in the mind-body connection area, that the mind that monologues can only take root in the soil of a sort of forced or held kind of stillness. So I found that very interesting. When I've been off on a train of thought, yak 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 about something, and I come back, I really some part of me is kind of frozen and held in order to push that energy up into the head and like hold everything still a minute. I'm going to think about this, and then when you come back from thinking, then woo, then you you've got more energy that can come back down into your body and soften your body, yeah. the mind that monologues I don't know if this is a quote or a, or a paraphrasing but I think it's from him the mind that monologues can only take root in the soil of a forced or held stillness yeah Gil had this great analogy that he used on a retreat the other week about squeezing a tube of toothpaste that thoughts are like toothpaste you know and the, the thing is to quit squeezing the tube <laughs> <laughs> if you quit squeezing the tube it will quit putting out the toothpaste but it, anyway some uh, some kinds of obsessive thinking where we're really just hooked on thinking is a lot like that you know where it, you just you're just used to holding yourself in a certain pattern that cuts off awareness from the neck down and produces a lot of thinking so the more we can do some of this find interest in the breath and interest in exploring the body if it's you know, when it's not related to some particularly traumatic reason, it's just a long-standing habit of being an intellectual and being in your head all the time, you can really work at developing some interest in your body and in your breath and in coming back over and over again to try to counteract that habit of just just holding yourself in that kind of frozen monologuing position all the time. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so, um, in the Satipatthana Sutta, Sati mindfulness, the patanas are the basis of mindfulness. This is a Sutta that we is kind of the foundation of a lot of things that we teach here. The Buddha has a lot of practices around mindfulness of the body, and he starts with breath, and then moves on to a couple of things that are really useful in daily life. So, if we only think of this when we're on the cushion, it you know, it only has that much of a chance to take root as a new habit. But especially, you know, maybe you've been on retreat, but try this any time you can. Being aware of your posture, knowing when you're sitting, when you're lying down, know you're lying down. You can at least, when you change posture, that might be a place where you try to remember to notice what it feels like. Now I'm standing. You know, it's quite a change in your whole physiology, the difference between lying down and sitting. It's a simple way to reconnect with the present. And then fully, clearly comprehending, fully aware of everything you do is something you can practice on retreat. You can really get into this. And anytime you really want to calm down in your daily life, it's very helpful to get into this. You act in full awareness when going, this is a quote, going forward and returning. Act in full awareness when looking ahead and looking away. Act in full awareness when flexing and extending limbs. Full awareness when wearing your clothes. Full awareness when eating, drinking, consuming food and tasting. Full awareness when defecating and urinating. Full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking and keeping silent. So it's really wonderful to know that these things are happening when they're happening. I used to find it quite a practice to reach, try to know when I'm reaching for the phone at work I don't know if we still answer the phone at work or if we only do it on email. But anyway, reaching your arm, you know, and it reconnects you with the present, gives you a chance to realize you're going to be talking to a human being and try to dial in that part of yourself, you know. I love, I wash dishes at night and it's a ritual for me to try to do that mindfully. It sort of settles me. I sleep much better if I actually do it so that I'm feeling the hot water, feeling the dishes, feeling each dish, feeling the movement of the arms. I like to really slow down, feel each movement. And sometimes I use the practice of noting, which we—it's very helpful in the first few minutes of trying to settle in to something where you actually say a soft note in the mind, reaching, touching, feeling, moving. doesn't matter what the word is. Just something that connects you to the fact that this is what's happening right now. And it kind of brings in the mind, reins in all that energy, and syncs it up with what's happening right now. I read a quote somewhere yesterday that said, greater the greater the intentionality, the greater the joy. And I really find that true. If you can really connect that this is what's happening right now. You know, you're moving your arm and your mind is with that moving of the arm and you can get a little continuity building on that. It's a great feeling of joy and lightness in the mind to be able to do that for a while. Sometimes I just park my awareness in my hands if I'm doing something so that I'm aware of each little movement of my hands or your feet while you're walking. Eating mindfully is a great practice. It's really one that shows you the value. I mean, you can eat a whole meal without tasting a bite of it, right? Or you can really taste, enjoy the sensations of taste and the sensations of chewing and really follow through on why you're eating. Much better digestion results if you eat that way than if you just keep stuffing it in, waiting for the pleasure because that wasn't any good. So let me try again. Let me try again. Wait, that wasn't satisfying. Let me have another one. <laughs> it's more satisfying if you just have one very mindfully. So I don't... I'm, we're getting behind already. But I just want to mention a couple of the other practices that the Buddha mentions around mindfulness of the body are more kind of wisdom practices. One of them is to go through all the parts of the body, the 32 parts of the body. Head hairs, body hairs, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, bone marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, diaphragm, spleen, lungs, intestines, mesentery, contents of the stomach, feces, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tears, grease, spittle, snot, oil of the joints, and urine. There's a body. (laughs) But it is a body. So this is a wisdom practice because it's bringing you... Part of it is to cut through this kind of delusion that we all have about the solid form of the body that gives rise to all sorts of things. If we just relate to the superficial whole surface of the body, the, the, the suttas are working with lust a lot. And so they're emphasizing that this is a way to work with lust It's also a way to work with a kind of pride in youth and health and and superficial assessment of people by how they look or even what, you know, superficial qualities like race or things that people might, you know, just fires off associations in your mind. Whereas if you really understand it, just peeling away a little bit of the surface, we are all very interesting complex machines made of the same stuff underneath. Same as animals, you know, very similar to all forms of life. It's kind of begins to cut through some of this just identification with the the form of the body. I don't like to take this negatively like it's something that we need to become, you know, put off by, but more like a medical model. It's just interesting. This is the way it is. You know, if you went to medical school, you would want to be able to take this perspective on the body. And so um, that's useful. Then the other practice is really understanding the body in terms of the great elements of earth, air, fire, and water, which is maybe a, an old... Those are still sort of the forms of matter, you know, solid, liquid, and gas, and energy. And so we it relates us to the whole world. We are part of the whole universe. We're made of the same stuff. And that's what this is, and these processes are the same processes that are the processes in the rest of the world. So it, these are practices that can... Um, bring us more wisdom in relation to what it is to have a body. And the the final practice is um, contemplating the stages of death and decay. So really preparing yourself for the body's eventual fate. I'm falling behind here. But I wanted to, also it's uh, supposed to be on me here to talk about feeling tone a little bit. (laughs) So feeling tone is the great um, bridge between the mind and the body, often feeling tone is at the basis of a lot of our reactivity. It's actually a function of the mind to classify every experience as either pleasant or unpleasant or neither one, kind of neutral. And it happens real automatically, but it's one of our most fundamental delusions that these are properties of the object. So I might see somebody in a purple shirt and think, you know, ooh, unpleasant. I don't, or something, and right away, I think they have no taste, and blah blah blah, but then that is not a function of the person, let alone the color purple. you know other people like purple other, in other circumstances, you might like purple, so it's, but it 's an automatic associative kind of classification that the mind makes on experience. usually we don 't catch that until we 're way down in reactivity, either grasping at it if it 's pleasant or fighting against it if it 's unpleasant. So what we're trying to learn is to catch that earlier. And it's very valuable when you find yourself caught up in something to try to trace back and see if you can maybe see what was the first pleasant and unpleasant thing. I was in a different mood, you know, ten minutes ago. What happened that shifted my mood? It was some kind of sensory input that was either pleasant or unpleasant. And some of us react by not, to not knowing neutral by st- seeking something more stimulating. You know, so you might have had too long a patch of neutral and now it's time to watch TV, you know, but you didn't notice that. So see if you can trace back any time you find yourself all caught up in something to something that's basically pleasant or unpleasant. And it was a great revelation to me when I began to be able to see in something that was slightly painful or slightly uncomfortable, oh, this is just unpleasant, just unpleasant. And something about, without all the reactivity that usually comes on top of unpleasant, just unpleasant is kind of, okay, it's tolerable. It's much more tolerable. Or if something, you know, oh, I have to have this. I've seen something in a catalog that I have to have. Wait, there must be something pleasant here. You know, oh, the color. The color is pleasant. You know, or the the idea of myself being able to have this little gizmo that does something is pleasant. And just being able to see that and then sometimes when you're a little more settled and concentrated you might be able to just watch that ever-changing every little thing that comes in every little twitch is slightly unpleasant every little little smile is slightly pleasant and you might be able to see how that's just constantly going on at a level below what we're usually conscious of So, mindfulness of the body and mindfulness of feeling tones are two of the foundations. And we would like to have a breakout session now. Talk about this among ourselves. So, why don't we get in groups of four. Ah, I know I wanted to do something else. Let's stand up um, mindfully. (laughs) So, just feel... Sit back down, everybody. Sit back down. Let's do this really slow. Okay. So just feel that you're sitting right now. And then see if you can really be aware. On retreat with uh, a Burmese teacher, he would spend half an hour guiding people through getting up. But we're not going to do that. But, you know, notice what muscles are involved, at least and what movements are happening, okay? So go as slow as you can and just notice what's going on. You can start getting up now. Okay. So now we're standing. You might just take a moment to notice that all your physiology is kind of different now than it was when you were sitting down. Your breath might be different, feeling maybe lightheaded or more active or something warmer, cooler. Okay. So see if you can be aware of the motion of your legs and your body as you get into groups of four. And as you sit back down, after I say the question, you could just um, pause it. Yeah. Okay. We've got one group of three, and the rest groups of four. Good. Okay so you can sit down and take a moment to feel you're now sitting down okay here's the question and let's do it going around everybody just puts in one idea so we go around several times in the course of our time here the question is how would it support your practice with the other path factors to incorporate more bodily awareness in daily life. Maybe you've already discovered some of this or maybe you have some new ideas. How does it or would it support your practice with the other path factors like speech, action, livelihood, intention, view? How would it support your practice to incorporate more bodily awareness, to have more bodily awareness in daily life? How does it support all that, or how might it? Okay. Okay. Um, well, sorry. <laughs> Would anyone be willing to share something that came up in your group? There are people who can't be here who, you know, it's kind of a virtual experience for them. It might be nice to just think of people who weren't able to be here today and share something for them. Thank
2: you. Um, One thing... Is this on? Yeah. Um, One thing that came up in our group was um, how bodily awareness could help us um, be more mindful of food and of eating um and that just got me thinking about um how hard it is to do that um at least in my experience it's uh, it is something that i guess it's a combination of things you know the the pleasantness combined with the uh, um sort of the the sort of the addictive process of like going you know trying to get more hits of good food and and then like I always, like one thing I always have come up for me is like when I have really good food, I start fantasizing about like opening up a restaurant based on that food <laughs> or something like that. Um, and just yeah, getting up, getting caught up in fantasies, and I think coming back to the bodily um, sensation of you know tasting and just feeling the food would be helpful in that process.
0: Yes. Great, thank you. Anyone else?
1: Same group. Um, someone else in the group said that bodily bodily awareness might contribute to courage.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was
1: such an interesting thought. Yeah. And I'm kind of still processing that. And because of the drawing, I think I'm thinking that it has to do with the bodily awareness of kind of drawing back from something that's going to be difficult um, or scary. Um, and if one is aware of that drawing back one might step forward um not always but maybe
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah that reminds me of a quote i read somewhere at, at, pardon the war imagery but it was talking about mind and body and if the the mind without a body is like a general without an army and an army without a mind is like a or a body without a mind mental awareness is like an army with no general (laughs) so if you're going to take effective action you sort of need you know there's something about the two being connected that is important yeah thank you any other comments Okay, well, I have an announcement about our break. As you might notice, there's going to be another group starting at 3 o'clock. We're sharing the building today. So if you would please take all of your... After the break, we'll close those doors, and we will exit out of that door or the library back door. And so if you would gather all your belongings and either put them in the library or on the porch so that we don't have to disturb this other group when we finish, Um, that would be a task for you over the break. Thank you. Yeah, well, you can bring them in here, but maybe not shoes. But anyway, oh, yeah. just um, we, there's two ways out when we're done here. Thank you.